Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. Welcome back to the Understanding Body Matters Podcast. On this episode, we have a really exciting guest who we will be speaking with today. Um, Her name is Courtney Pollock, and she is a women's health exercise physiologist who has a special interest in pelvic floor and pelvic health. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about all things to do with disordered eating and the effects it does have on women's pelvic floor health. I know this is an area that I am not very familiar with, but I would love to know a little bit more as it does have a big impact on pregnant women specifically. So yeah, if you'd like to listen and learn a little bit more about this topic, please stay tuned. So hi, Courtney, welcome to the Understanding Body Matters podcast. We are really, really excited to have you on this episode today just to talk on all of these these issues such as disordered eating on the pelvic floor health, which we know you have a special interest in. So it's really nice to have you on board. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Perfect. So just to start off, I guess we'll dive straight into it where you can just introduce yourself so our listeners can get a better understanding of who you are, what it is you do, and I guess your special interest in your area. Yeah, cool. So my name's Courtney and I am a exercise physiologist with a very special interest in pelvic floor health and core dysfunction. So I basically run a clinic that is completely virtual. So I see clients um, online through video consults and I work with women who have pelvic floor dysfunction. And most of the time it's usually with uh, women who let's say I'm more like athletic um, or wanting to get back into exercise, maybe postnatally, but it's mostly around like the uh, sport and exercise type uh, clientele, I guess you'd say where they're quite active and they want to fix either some resolve some pelvic floor issues that they have, whether that be like leaking or pelvic pain or pelvic floor tightness, which is when we can talk about that a bit later. Um, But yeah, and they're like, it's kind of affecting their life um, rather than sort of like that physio type acute treatment where it might just be like just, you know, more hands-on type work that obviously I don't do online. But um, yeah, so I work online and I just really have a massive passion for like this whole pelvic floor Um function. I used to have a history of uh, incontinence when I was training at CrossFit back in the day. So I guess that's where my passion kind of stemmed. So yeah, that's what I do. How old were you when um, that all happened? Um, I was roughly, I would have been my early 20s, I think probably 20, 21. Okay. Most likely. Yeah, around that age. I, to be honest, I'm like, can't even remember. <laughs> it feels like so long ago. <laughs> but I, um, ha- like I did a lot of, I grew up doing a lot of sport and activity um, and basically merged into CrossFit at some point in time, uh, roughly around that age, and then had like issues with like lots of uh, mostly the skipping side of things and then heavier weightlifting. Um, and I just thought it was really normal. I used to joke about it with like all of the other, I get more than moms actually, because mostly it seems to be like associated quite strongly with pregnancy and postpartum rather than just your everyday uh, lady. However, it does uh, actually have a very common appearance in women who don't have children, which was, I was obviously one of them. So yeah, it can happen to anyone, which is why I think um, I'm so passionate because I think 
everyone that has any issues that hasn't had children or isn't really around that time doesn't really talk about it because they think it's really sort of like why is this happening to me type of thing so yeah yeah I think a lot of people push it aside as well because they think it is not as extreme as it should as it is yeah it's so normalized right like it's kind of like it it gets joked about a lot I guess and Mm. I mean, you, if it's nothing too extreme for you, you'd probably just live with it or not do things in particular that may cause you problems, which I think is where I love to see women do something about it because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't do running anymore because I pee myself or I don't do skipping at the gym because of that same reason. So I just do the other option mm-hmm. um, because I'm too embarrassed. And I think like if it's holding you back from doing things that you really love, then you should address it and not ignore it. And it's most likely going to get worse if you don't actually do something about it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, it's good to know that you've had that experience. I feel like anyone, anytime someone has gone through something themselves in an area that they have specialized in, there's always that I guess at personal level where you can trust your clinician or whoever it is you're seeing a lot more, I feel like. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like I, I understand a lot how they feel about it. Hmm. Um, there's obviously like when mums come to me and talk, like I, I don't actually have children. So if the women that I see are talking a lot about their pregnancy or their birth experience and their postnatal experience, that's sometimes a little bit harder for me to relate to because I don't have, I haven't been through that, but I still understand that concept of like pelvic floor issues that are like affecting your life. So um, it definitely does feel nice, I guess, to talk to someone that has had that experience before um, and gets it, just gets it that little bit more in terms of mostly the emotional side, I think is probably the, the most important part, like how the, you feel about it. I think yeah. that's really like hard to sort of understand if you've not been through it before. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we ask each guest on the start of every episode um, their high and low of the week. So is there any that you are happy to share? Um, Sure. I actually, I'm actually doing something really exciting at the moment in my personal life. I bought a, um, a van and I'm doing like oh. a van conversion to do like weekend getaways and like traveling. I, my goal in life was to literally have an online business in EP and van life, but <laughs> it just took me a bit to get there. Um, so that's been really exciting because I've been working really hard to get there. Um, but maybe one of the lows, like I was doing work on it on the weekend. Um, and I'm excited about doing that. That's probably a bit of a high for me at the moment, but this week we had a van, um, the insulation failed and completely peeled off all the inside of the walls. Um, So that was a bit of a disaster. And the whole DIY van thing uh, became a bit of a realisation how difficult it is. I'm not handy at all. Like I'm just kind of having a go. So that was a little bit disappointing this week. And I've had to like call companies and like ask them about their products and then like sort all that out because like my whole walling and my van's going to fall apart while I'm sleeping it. (laughs) um so that was probably a bit of a low this week but I mean like nothing really bad it was just a little bit like disappointing and Mm. you know when you fail at something I'm not very good at failing so I was a bit disappointed I've always wanted to do that I always feel like especially now I see Instagram videos just pop up with everyone just traveling in van van line it looks and like it looks so fun doesn't it Mm. especially there's just something about living on the road in a van especially that just appeals to me I just always wanted to do it yeah me too I've literally been thinking about this since I was probably 15 and I've tried to do it for so long but never really had the money or had the time where I was working um and now I'm just like 
now is the time because I'm getting older, number one. <laughs> so at some point in time, I have to take responsibility and you know, have a family or whatever. Um, and I just keep thinking like I'm just putting it off for no real reason. So this year's goal, I literally wrote on my list, like buy a van. And then within like 14 days, I was like, I'm doing it now. I'm buying the van. I'm just going to do it. And I was going to say it's February. You've done it very well. I know. I was like, I'm just going to do it now because I'll just procrastinate on it for so long and not do it. So Mm. I'm really excited. I haven't actually done any van lifing before, so I might not even like it, but it does. It's like you, like you just see it. You think, yep, that looks like something I'd enjoy. So you just got to do it. Hopefully I do. (laughs) Well, I hope to see the finished product soon. Oh, me too. Hopefully there's not very many fails, but I feel like there's going to be a lot. (laughs) I think it's good. It's going to be fun. I hope the fun fails, but it'll be good in the long run. It'll be worth it in the end. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Funny. All right. So let's, I feel like we should just jump straight into the questions. So I guess my first question just a little of a basic information. So that is what is the pelvic floor and its function? Good. I like this question because every time I ask my clients in clinic, they're like, I don't really know where it is. I'm just like in there somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So pelvic floor is actually like a group of muscles. So a lot of um, people think it's just one, but it's actually a lot of muscles that uh, together to make the pelvic floor itself. Um, and it attaches to like your pubic bone, your tailbone, and your two sit bones and spans like the base of your pelvis. And it basically supports up your pelvic organs. So you've got like your bladder, your uterus, and your bowel boat all sit pretty closely to the pelvic floor and they're held up by that muscle group. There's like fascia and ligaments all attached in there as well. And their job is to hold all of your waste products in or help contribute to being able to control continence support your organs that's another one obviously um it's got a really big role in regulating pressure within your abdominal cavity so basically when you do a lot of different types of movements pressure increases to create stability for your spine and it has a role in basically regulating pressure Um, it's also really important for sexual function it's part of that too pelvic stability it's the base of the, the pelvis it attaches to your hips and into your femurs which are your thigh bones um and it also like responsible for a lot of stability of the pelvis and the arms and the spine so it actually plays like quite a big role in Mm. a lot of things that i think we don't associate much more with than pelvic floor like incontinence that's pretty much it but it actually does a lot more so there's other like symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction that aren't necessarily leaking um urine or any sort of wind or even feces but we can have like tailbone pain hip pain low back pain uh, any sort of pelvic pain or like even things like um, pain with insertion and penetration. There's things like UTI feelings or you could have like uh, ongoing urgency sensations, which can all be related to like pelvic floor function, which I think yeah. is really cool. So there's um, it's part of like your deep core structure. So it's really closely linked with your diaphragm and also your deepest layer of your abdominals, which mm-hmm. is called your transverse abdominus. And that whole unit basically helps to regulate pressure and keep you strong, stable and um, supported during a lot of movements. So I think when we talk about core muscles and everyone talks about your core, that's actually part, like a pretty crucial part of it, believe it or not. I didn't realize how many functions it did have. I thought there's probably a lot (laughs) of women that have many problems, but they don't associate it with their, like if it's a pelvic floor dysfunction or whatnot. I mean, I certainly 
No, no. And that's the thing. Like when I screen, um, I go through my initial consult and I do a lot of screening and like uh, medical history or like, you know, just asking questions about things. Um, they'll just say, oh, I only just, you know, leak urine when I do activity or sneeze or cough or laugh or whatever it might be. And then when I ask them all these other questions about hip issues or back pain issues or tailbone problems or even mm. knee problems because your knee gets affected by pelvic um, instability. Oh, wow. um, they'll be like, oh yeah, actually I have a few of those other things or like difficulties with tampon use, for example, or like, um, yeah, constipation is another one. That's like a big symptom of pelvic floor dysfunction as well. So they'll tick all these other boxes and not even put two and two together that it's actually possibly their pelvic floor contributing to this. Mm. So it's really interesting because we just don't know or learn any of this stuff as females at all, unless there's no. a problem. Yeah, exactly. Or you're at that point in time where you're pregnant, having a baby, and everyone's like, do something about your pelvic floor. And then you're like, what's that? That's the only time I ever hear about pelvic pelvic floor when someone is pregnant and there's issues afterwards or during the pregnancy. That's the only time I feel like I've ever heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, well, one, every single person has a pelvic floor, like males have it too, right? So why is it only spoken about with ladies who are pregnant when it does yeah. such a cra- um, whole other bunch of functions? So, yeah, that's why I love it. <laughs> a whole lot of functions. I'm sure you see a wide range of different clients as well then. Yeah, yeah, which is also really cool um, mm. because it's starting to become a little bit more known now. Or women especially. I, I only see women in my clinic, which is why I refer to like ladies and women quite a lot um, mm-hmm. rather than males or um, as well. So, they often um, like they're starting to realize that, you know, just because they don't have children and they still have these issues, it's okay. And they can actually do something about it. So it's really nice to see that because I feel like for so long, it's just been this like taboo topic. Mm -hmm. I think it's more normalized now. Definitely, I've definitely heard a lot more about it over the past few years than I ever have before. I don't know if that's because I'm getting older or following people that are getting older, but you Google cookies. Your like search cookies in your iPhone and your uh, your computer are now like putting you in touch with all these people. Yeah. You talk about. Literally, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be getting ads popping up now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so I guess to dive into the next one, which is kind of um, the main reason why we got you on board, which is how does disordered eating can impact the pelvic floor function? I guess and cause that dysfunction. Yeah. So there's a couple of different things that contribute to uh, this whole pelvic floor function with disordered eating. Um, most of the, the common issues or the most, I guess, prominent ones for me are hormone function um, and also like digestive health. So those two things play a huge role in pelvic floor function anyway, like just regardless of like what health status you have. Mm-hmm. So for example, like the pelvic floor is a muscle, right? So any sort of, um, I guess, hormonal response that will, a muscle would have uh, experience, the pelvic floor would too. So let's talk about um, estrogen, what my favorite hormone to talk about for women. <laughs> um, that estrogen plays a huge role in like skeletal muscle tissue function. So we think about like contraction of muscle and muscle growth. And if you are lacking in estrogen, which can often be associated a lot with disordered eating and then affecting menstrual cycle and hormonal balancing, then you get those same low level estrogen um, impacts on that muscle tissue. So if there's no muscle, uh, sorry, estrogen around to bind to the receptors that are on the muscle fibers itself, then we have difficulties with strength of contraction or how well it can actually 
activate and contract. But then um, you also have like these estrogen receptors inside your urinary tract, which is like not so much the actual pelvic floor, but it's part of the the bladder system. Mm -hmm. Um, Then it's also going to impact that. So we see a lot of issues with like muscle function and um, strength of the pelvic floor and its ability to like hold and support organs during menopause because that same level of estrogen drop like that natural estrogen decline happens. And then women start to present with all of these incontinent issues based on like muscles no longer as strong as what it was before. It doesn't function as well. The muscle fiber has maybe atrophied, which comes from, um, you know, not being able to grow as much muscle because estrogen has a big role in like building muscle if you're training. So if you're doing a lot of, it's like anything, if you're doing a lot of exercise, that's weight bearing, you're trying to grow a lot of muscle, but you have a really low hormonal profile. You're going to have a lot of troubles building that. And you may be at risk of like, muscle atrophy muscle atrophy can also occur because you're in like calorie deficits where mm. you, or your energy deficits where you might be under eating and over exercising and have no ability to actually actually build muscle which is what we can also see through things like disordered eating as well mm-hmm. so those are the two sort of like one of the main issues is the hormonal um side but then you have like digestive health so digestive health being things like constipation is a huge impact on incontinence and pelvic floor dysfunction based on pressure right so if you're like constantly straining on the toilet because you have digestive health issues then you're going to be putting a lot of load and pushing down onto that muscle tissue which basically ends up causing dysfunction and weakness so any digestive health issue but it's pretty common with a disordered eating, right? Because you're not getting like, there's variations of um, disordered eating, but there's also variations of digestive health concerns where mm-hmm. you may have like constipation. Um, so yeah, that's like two things that can really affect um, the pelvic floor. I also wanted to touch on constipation, especially because sometimes constipation can actually be a big symptom of what we call a hypertonic pelvic floor. And hypertonic pelvic floor is basically where it's too tight at rest and it doesn't know how to relax and we see this a lot in anyone who is really quite anxious and stressed a lot because it's a bit like a um, emotional response we like clench through our pelvic floor Mm. or if you're um, let's say someone who trains your abdominal wall a lot or your core a lot and you're like over tensing through there or you have history of maybe gymnastics or dancing where you've got like that excessive contraction of like like holding everything in all of the time mm-hmm. um so if you've got like maybe say you've had digestive issues that aren't really significant but no nutritional aspect has contributed to that it can be a sign that the back of your pelvic floor is just too tight and you don't actually know how to relax it well enough to let anything flow out so sometimes you can have like all of these symptoms that are representing like what you think could be weakness when in fact it could actually also be quite tight. So um, I think if you're also someone that's like fight or flight all of the time and high like sympathetic drive of your nervous system, Mm. um, that's very common with like, like if someone said to me that they're always stressed and anxious or they um, don't sleep very well, I'd be like, oh, okay, you're not resting very much, which means you're possibly having issues with tightness through your pelvic floor rather than actually weakness, like, or looseness, should we say, like more laxity. So um, yeah, those are like whole digestive health thing is really important for incontinence and pelvic floor health. Mm, Definitely. Uh, Say for, I guess if someone's recovered from disordered eating, are there any Mm. long-term effects on that pelvic floor function or is it, is it something that they can overcome slowly or it's. Yeah. Like the best thing about pelvic floor health is like, 
your pelvic floor is a muscle. So it is quite adaptable to whatever stimulus that you provide it. Anyone who's had like history of issues before, like, I think, um, like there is to say that, you know, if you're not presenting with any symptoms at all, then you might have a pelvic floor that's quite healthy and quite functioning quite well. But if you're, you are experiencing any of these things, then I would think about like, not necessarily the leaking, but any of these other issues. And you, maybe you've had a history of disordered eating, then it might be like, okay, maybe just get this checked and see what's going on for you. And then you can work on whatever it is that you need to work on. So if you need to focus more on like learning how to lengthen through the pelvic floor and relax the pelvic floor, once you start doing that, you often do need to do some strength work because a tight muscle doesn't necessarily mean it's quite functional or strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means it's like always switched on. So it's kind of like, when you know, when you get like really tight through your upper traps around your shoulders and you're just always tense there and you just like, you know, you always need to kind of work on trying to get them to relax. Mm-hmm. Um, they, that doesn't mean they're very functional just because they're tight. They're just sore. So same kind of concept, but if you need okay. to do some strengthening work, then you can still do that. So it, there is like, it's definitely something you can address. Um, I think figuring out what, what your individual concern for your pelvic health is, is probably the most important part. Cause like if you have like a hypertonic pelvic floor and it's too tight and then you go off and do pelvic floor exercises to make it stronger, mm. then you're going to end up with worse problems. Yeah. I guess, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is getting off guard, but regarding like treatment team, is this something a GP would pick up on or do you think it's more, I guess, I feel like a lot of the time I do go to a GP, it's not very specific towards like what, hmm. I'm not sure if I'm explaining this right, but do you recommend yeah, I understand this to go straight to an exercise physiologist where someone has all that knowledge in specific hmm. areas like pelvic floor health or I guess what the treatment um, may look like? Well, I guess it's like anything really, like some GPs are so like, they're fantastic and they recognize things like this and they're quite well educated around this. Um, And then some are not, it's pretty much like, you know, everyone's got their sort of interest and special specialities, even as just a GP. Um, Most of the time a GP will probably refer you on to a women's health physiotherapist who would do an internal examination Mm -hmm. where they would actually basically look inside, use their hands and like they'll um, assess what's going on with that muscle because it's actually it is it can be quite hard to know exactly what's happening from the outside because this muscle is internal it is inside Mm -hmm. so like I obviously don't do any of that as an exercise physiologist I just work with more on like function um and applying that through exercise and working on symptom resolution as well so I don't do any internal assessing um but you can go you can go straight to a women's health physiotherapist and and get an assessment internal assessment done if you want and but if you don't like if you don't want to get an internal assessment, which you don't have to, a women's health physio can still help you. And someone like myself, uh, a women's health EP can definitely help as well. Like I still do all of the same things. Like it's, it's just the same thing, but without the internal assessment type thing. Mm. Um, but you can also talk to your GP if you don't, if you don't really sure where to go or who to even, where to even start. Yeah. Um, so a GP can, can refer you out, which sometimes helps in terms of like um, if they can, you know, there's different types of referrals they can get you based on like Medicare schemes and things like that. But if you're just looking for some help, if you're not sure where to start, ask your GP. And if they don't really seem to know much about it, I have heard lots of women report that they've just been told to do Kegel exercises or pelvic floor strength work by their GP. Um, and sometimes that's obviously not the best. So I would definitely think about getting 
some more help if that's the advice that you're given based on no internal examination or they haven't really spoken to you much more about it. Like Mm. I definitely do, I've done like a lot of research and application of theories, I guess, with um, exercise prescription for this. So I definitely tailor everything very much to the individual and GPs aren't really exercise specialists, unfortunately, Mm. but some of them are quite good. So I, yeah, you can reach out to either any, any of those GP, women's health physio or someone like myself. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. I feel like there's a lot of yeah. different, I feel like you're hearing more and more about exercise physiologists now, which is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess the other topic I wanted to talk on, I guess, was hormonal, the hormonal effect on the pelvic floor. And I guess how disordered eating can kind of impact that as well. Yeah. So I guess we kind of touched on that earlier yeah. with um, like disordered eating in general. I kind of covered like digestive health and hormonal health together. Sorry. Got a bit of jumped a bit of a jumped the gun a little bit, but it's definitely looking at like hormonal regulation. So if you're, if you're experiencing like um, any issues with your menstrual cycle and you've got lower levels of estrogen or even just lower levels of um, hormones in general, then this will eventually have like a, an impact on maybe continence for you. So you might experience leaking or start to experience urinary leaking based on that muscle no longer being as strong as what it was, or it might not be as thick, like the muscle thickness. So you get the breakdown um, happening. Mm-hmm. And um, also just, uh, um, I guess that stress hormone as well, if your cortisol levels are quite high, it might be um, from, you know, from being in that overdrive all of the time. If um, your other hormonal levels are sort of out of whack, I guess. It all kind of plays in together really. So uh, that can definitely impact all of the function of your pelvic floor, like kind of like I spoke a bit earlier about. Um, yeah. Um, if that covered it enough for you. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. We did cover it briefly in the other question before. So it does make a lot of sense why they do relate to each other, especially. Mm. You'll notice that like, I also find that a lot of women experience leaking or incontinent issues at specific times of their cycle. So they may not norm like actually have any issues with their menstrual cycle regularity itself. And it's still quite regular, but during those times of the month, which is like lower levels of hormones, which is, I normally see it either like just before their period would start where their hormonal levels are starting to really drop down, that that's when their issues actually come out and they don't have incontinent issues any other time of the month other than that um and that's definitely a like a signal of like okay this is a hormonal issue where where it could be um maybe you've got some lower levels in general and that's just dropping down even more there or we know that okay we might need to build a bit more strength because at the time when um the estrogen is lower that strength has significantly dropped off so you might need to build a bit more baseline if that makes sense Hmm. no definitely yeah i think that definitely makes sense i didn't really realize (laughs) the relationship that that did have so it's really good to know for, yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. It does make a lot of sense now that I think about it. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question kind of just dives into the relationship between over-exercising and the pelvic floor, just because I know a lot of people that do experience disordered eating or even disorders itself, um, there is a lot of over-exercising involved as well. So I guess that what does that relationship kind of look like with pelvic floor health? Yeah, good question. Because um, I think like lots of people overexercise and don't even realize they're doing that anyway. Because it's like I guess it's very highly pushed mm. as well. Like you should be training hard and like feeling sore all the time. And as an EP, like our jobs are to basically educate people and correct prescription of exercise and volume and etc. So, but overexercising, like 
there's a couple of things that could play into this with pelvic floor health. I think the first one that I see a lot of problems with is overtraining like core work because your pelvic floor is so ingrained with like your deep core muscles and your abdominal wall that if you're constantly overtraining your core muscles and you're putting a lot of stress on them every single day that you do them, um, they can become that really tight, active, like not being able to like relax all the time or they're not getting enough recovery to actually build strength there. So you can see like it's really important that when you exercise, you also rest as much to get the result from what you're trying to achieve. So, um, especially if you're doing a lot of strength training as well, like we know that if you're going to train a muscle group, you shouldn't really train it every single day. You should have like a, you know, a bit of a rest and recovery. That's where everything happens. So all of the adaptations. So if you're constantly providing like so much stress and overload to that muscle, it's definitely going to have some issues with function later. That's Mm -hmm. like any muscle as well. Now, so too much core work is usually something I see with hypertonic pelvic floor. Um, And then we get like, are you actually recruiting your pelvic floor correctly whilst you're doing all of those exercises? So there's a difference between um, like contracting your pelvic floor up and actually using it to come up against all of the pressure and support everything versus like what we call bearing down, which is basically pushing down onto your pelvic floor. So this would be something that felt a little bit similar to like if you were a bit constipated in the toilet and you were trying to push out a little bit and like, you know, push it out, that's kind of like bearing down. So if you're actually bearing down during your core work, then you're you're pushing a lot of excessive load on the muscle when it's not actually working correctly. So that can cause you like dysfunction issues. So it's almost like constantly loading your pelvic floor like you are when you're constipated. Now, if you're also doing things like lifting weights, especially I see this a lot um, more with like really sort of like that sort of higher levels of lifting weights where you might be doing like you know CrossFit classes or functional fitness classes, or you might be like a power lifter or trying to like get stronger and lifting heavy, Mm. um, that excessive load downwards onto the pelvic floor. If you're also bearing down can also cause you like dysfunction and excessive bearing down onto your pelvic floor does also put you at risk of pelvic organ prolapse, which is like damage to those structures. And then your pelvic floor sort of becomes a little bit lower than where it should be. And your pelvic organs can descend down into your like pelvic canals. So that's like, a little bit more intense, a bit Mm. more scary. Um, But that's what happens when you look at pushing pressure downwards all the time. So this is where we talk about, like earlier I mentioned, like it's a pressure regulation thing. Like we're talking about how the pelvic floor helps with that. So when you look at like things like over-exercising one, you're not getting enough rest all the time. So, you know, that muscles get quite fatigued um, and then they can become injured just from that. And then you're looking at it from also that bearing down or are you correctly using it during your exercise? all the time especially core work and lifting and then also looking at it from an energy demand perspective which then goes back into like the hormonal effect right so if you're over exercising all the time and then you're in that low level of energy um, you're not going to be able to build any any muscle tissue and then you're also affecting your hormonal regulation which can then also impact your pelvic floor so it's quite quite like it's obviously these are like at the very ends of the spectrum as well. Like hmm. um, if you're just exercising quite regularly and you're a little bit, probably a little bit too much, but not excessively where you get like, you're on that sort of very like end of the spectrum, then you probably wouldn't see too much damp, like symptoms 
initially, but over time it can definitely impact that. So, and then if you haven't had children or you've had children before, let's say, let's say you haven't had children and then you go towards pregnancy or you're thinking about having having a baby, that's when you might notice that things come out because that pelvic floor becomes more under load during pregnancy based on it having to now hold in a growing human as well as then bear um, work through childbirth and labor. Um, And if you've had let's say you've already had children and you're um, in that over-exercising, then if you have a history of like uh, pelvic floor issues based on your delivery of your child or even like, you know, whether it pre-existed before that, then that would be like another time where it's like now exacerbating more. So it's like these little layers, I guess, that you peel away and you figure yeah. out like which ones were significantly contributing to whatever you're particularly experiencing versus like somebody else, for example. Mm. Well, it's amazing how much they all relate to each other, though, because I feel like it, yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. most of it just comes down to, I guess, pelvic force function at the end of the day, to be honest. I feel like, is it hard to find that fine line? I guess whether it's if you are putting too much load or pressure on that pelvic floor, is it hard to find whether it is damaging um you'll start to like experience a lot of different symptoms I think if you are and it's like if you're bearing down onto your pelvic floor you know like like I for example have a history of um heavy weight lifting mm-hmm. and there's there's always like a threshold at which you can probably regulate pressure in your abdo- abdomen quite well so what well, I talk a lot about look teaching people pressure management strategies so like okay this is what you can do when you feel like if you're doing something and you're feeling downward pressure onto your pelvic floor, it just doesn't feel quite safe. And you just think like, Oh, you know, that doesn't feel so good, which in some people it's completely fine and they don't have any of this. So that, you know, they might be regulating pressure quite well and they don't actually need to be too concerned. But if you're feeling like that, then we would look at like, okay, what can we do to maybe manage that pressure a little bit better? And it could be like the way you're doing the exercise. It could be how you're breathing because that pelvic floor is so closely related to your diaphragm and your breathing technique that it could be, you know, you might be holding your breath too much and pushing down onto your pelvic floor to create more stability um so we can teach you different things like that it might be that you might need a little bit more abdominal strength because it's not quite at the level that it needs to be to support a particular exercise so it's about like where is the threshold of where symptoms may be coming on for you so if you're working at a load where things aren't always going to be bearing down it's going to be at a particular point then you you might it might not really cause you too much damage in the long run but if you're doing something all the time regularly where it's causing overload and bearing down then that's when i would be like okay this is something that you need to work on because yeah. it is going to be probably an issue for you later but mm-hmm. Honestly, most of the time when you teach people about what it does and how it's supposed to be working well and how to regulate pressure quite well in the particular exercises that they might be doing. So whether that's running, jumping, it could be weightlifting, it could be, um, you know, just general plyometric work like skipping, for example, um, or a particular sport, whether it's gymnastics or like believe it or not, trampoliners get this a lot from like high Makes loads sense. of jumping. I know all about it yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah, then it's usually just the education in like becoming aware of like what you're actually doing at the time that you're experiencing issues because most of the time, I guess a lot of people just don't really know like why it's happening. And when you explain it, they're like, oh, yeah, like you, I bet you at this time have had all these aha moments where you're like, oh, this makes so much more sense now. It does. does. Yeah. So the questions I had, but now going through it all, I feel like just in general, understanding the whole concept and function of the pelvic floor is important in itself just so that anyone knows 
like I think it's just important to know regardless if you have disordered eating or not um because the role it plays on a lot of our like what we do every day I feel like it can yeah it has impacted many many people and they don't know that's like a problem in the long run just what we spoke about briefly before but I have learned a whole lot more about it and I feel like I need to understand (laughs) a bit more about the function it plays in my body because I'm sure like friends that I know family members I know are probably experiencing this without even understanding it oh it's unbelievably common I think that's Mm. what's the scariest part is like the more you start to talk about this to people the more they open up to you about like oh yeah like I have that my mom has it or my sister's had this or my best friend struggles with this or like it's just so common um it's not really addressed and I think a lot of the time it's like I don't think people realize they can also do something about it yeah it's just like accepted and when we think about like any other muscle injury say for example a rotator cuff I use that quite a lot because I feel like people know what a rotator cuff injury is like and they can't use their shoulder anymore Mm. um then you have like you go to a physiotherapist you'll do some like initial boring rehab exercises that get the muscle functioning a little bit better and then you start to build strength in it and everything starts to work a little bit better and it's exactly the same thing really with your pelvic floor it's a muscle that you can train but it just has these other contributing factors like pressure regulation and it works so closely with other muscles that if there's pelvic muscles that are out of balance say your glutes don't work very well or you've got really dominant quad muscles versus your glutes and hamstrings or your core muscles like your abdominals don't work very well um then they contribute to how well it it works based on the fact that it's just so like ingrained in so many other functions other than Mm. just you know holding it in your urine and your your feces basically so yeah i think that knowing that, oh, it's, it is exactly like if I got an injury, I'd go book into a physio and I would fix the problem. I think the fact that it's signaled by leaking urine and not pain makes us think it's different. A hundred percent. So okay. yeah, well, I guess the last question I had was where can people find you if they are wanting to look you up? Yeah. Jump over onto my Instagram page. I have heaps of information in there about like just general education stuff. If you're interested in learning more, um, my Instagram handle is um, at per.exercise.physiology. Um, you can pretty much see everything through there. My website has um, like, I've just recently started doing more blogging um, and writing because I feel like that's uh, missing in my life. <laughs> so there's a couple of blog posts on there at the moment, but you can definitely stay tuned for some more. My website's uh, www.herexercisephysiology.com.au. So they're probably the two main places that you'll be able to find me. Amazing. Perfect. And I'll put them all in the show notes as well. So everyone can see them very clearly as yeah. well. But lovely. it was so lovely speaking with you today. I've learned so much. I know I, we spoke briefly before this podcast even started recording and I told her, okay, I can already tell I'm going to learn an incredible amount during this podcast episode and I certainly have well I'm so glad I can share the knowledge of pelvic floor health around it's like I'm just so passionate about it in case you can't tell (laughs) it's good to have that passion because I feel like it's more I'm just more it's more interesting to learn about when someone's passionate about a topic they are specializing yeah that's true very true very true very true but <laughs> thanks for um, having me on I really appreciate uh being able to share the word so thanks not a problem it was lovely to have you on board so we will see you hopefully maybe in another episode later down the track but it was really nice having you on board and I'm sure many people will learn more about this topic as well yeah thanks so much So that was our episode with Courtney on all things to do with pelvic health and how that has a significant relationship with those that have struggled or struggling with 
disordered eating there are a number of different factors that went into it and all kind of relates and comes together which i myself wasn't even aware of so it was really great getting to learn something today from someone like courtney who specializes in that area and obviously does see some clients who do struggle with disordered eating as well so we really hope that you were able to learn something from this episode whether it's yourself or a loved one that you know may be struggling from similar issues And we hope that you can take any of her advice or pointers on board as well. So we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you in two weeks time with another episode.